0: People are going to be writing about us for the rest of our lives for me, and after we're dead. So I intend to either confuse the issue so much they never knew what was going on, or to try and keep shoving out bits and bits. So as whoever is bothered to be looking at it in the future, the people that really know will sort out, you know, they'll know what was going on a bit.
1: There's a lot of books
2: about the Beatles, a lot of theories, and I try not to read them. And whenever I do,
1: the first thing is like, oh, that's wrong.
0: where you go trying to find out any little bit of dirt that they can write about you. Beatles is Beatles app. Beatles, Beatles, Beatles.
1: It doesn't matter, you know, what, what people say. You can't live all your life by what they want. Another Kind of Mind. A different kind of Beatles podcast by Another Kind of Mind.
2: Hello and welcome, ACOM listeners, to a fantastic episode. Today, we are delighted and honored to have the wonderful Caleb Nichols with us. Caleb wrote a fascinating piece for TalkHouse about queering the Beatles, which is what got our attention and led to the conversation that we have in this episode about queer history, the Beatles' place in history, and how those two things kind of overlap, and like, what does a queering of history mean to the Beatles and what does it mean to the Beatles history like mm-hmm. that is kind of a very important thing and it will be going forward it is right. kind of a new conversation and you know it's good to be having these discussions I think it's a really important topic
1: yeah we read that article and immediately thought hey <laughs> let's make yeah. a whole episode about this there's so much beetle queerness both implicit and explicit subtextual influence but also just by virtue of being artists there's enormous queer influence over um the beatles art their presentation it goes way beyond them just having a gay manager if people are talking about this stuff now then now is the
2: time to get all that work done while there's still an you know an opportunity for it sure
1: sure Yeah, Mm -hmm. and even the potential of some of the the major players seeing it, hearing about it, getting asked about it, that would be really valuable. So sooner the better. Right. Caleb is the creator of a fantastic Beatles-inspired rock operetta
2: titled Ramon. You can pick up Ramon at your local record shop and or grab it from Bandcamp or stream anywhere music streams. Caleb's UK tour begins in Glasgow on September 27th. They'll also be in London on September 28th. So heads up to our UK listeners. And you can find all these dates and more on Caleb's website, calebnicholsis.yay.
1: Also on September 20th, Caleb's EP Double Mantasy drops. That includes covers of McCartney's Waterfalls lemons watching the wheels and include some provocative artwork he's just wrapping up his u.s tour we we missed out unfortunately we missed out on the tour we did miss out on the tour (laughs) but we're excited
2: to see him next time he is playing in the united states yeah or the next time we happen to be overseas when he's playing overseas it was a great conversation we're delighted about it we hope you enjoy it
1: i'm phoebe and i'm daphne
0: hello to both of you thank you thank you so much for having me on your lovely fun informative and thoughtful podcast i really enjoyed listening
1: oh thank Thank you you. so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was that was that was not an attempt at flattery that was just like the truth
2: nice thank you thank you so much
0: in fact, we listened, um, we played in L.A., what was it, us, two nights ago? Yeah, two nights ago, and we did the, I live in San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. California, which is, like, right between L.A. and San Francisco, so it's a very common practice if you're in a band from here to go play either city on, like, a weeknight uh-huh. and, then just, and then just come right back so you can get to work the next day. And so we did the late-night drive, and so we were listening to, the Fairy Tales and Pizza while Ooh. whilst driving the 101 at like 1am. Oh, you
1: know? that sounds great. It
0: was, it was great. And the, whole, the whole band was listening with rapt attention.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> yes, I feel like that, that series is, is particularly uh, it has a very late night vibe to me. I, I always picture yeah. it like, late night driving. Yeah,
0: because it's getting so personal.
2: You know? it, it is. Yeah
0: some steamy
1: content
2: yeah well that's great (laughs) i'm glad to hear that and we are so happy to have you on to talk about your fabulous album yes ramon
0: thank you thank you so much very
2: exciting how has the response been to ramon so far
0: the response has been great um we've gotten some really really great reviews in fact one review on pop matters made me cry honestly <gasps> oh, because be, because the writer i think for the first time in my life as a musician and it's a rare thing just as an artist or a writer or musician mm-hmm. whatever to have this happen where a critic really fully gets what you're trying mm-hmm. to do and mm-hmm. writes about it in a way that is like i can tell this writer uh put in a lot of thought and work writing this really, really beautifully done review that really was like, I was like, wow, you got some things that were pretty Mm. uh, deep cut kind of stuff, like lyrical Mm -hmm. references and things that like, I could tell he had listened many times and that's just so gratifying. Ah. So that kind of thing. And I think, I think the response in general, like has been in that vein of people, are it's an interesting idea and so a lot of people do listen in that way and i really really appreciate that
2: well that's exciting i'm 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 excited to read that and we'll also link it in the show notes if our listeners want to check it out too
0: yeah great review great site and um yeah
2: why don't you tell us a little bit about the album to start off Mm.
0: okay um yeah so ramon is a rock opera But I it's actually I call it a rock operetta because it's fairly short for a rock opera. It's 35, 36 minutes long, Mm -hmm. Um, which was which was sort of an intentional choice in that, you know, Revolver, Rubber Soul. Those are short 30 some odd minute long albums. Pet sounds also like that that era was confined to those two sides of vinyl that you know optimally you don't want to go over 20 minutes on a side at all because the sound starts degrading so um it was it was an intentional choice to make it that length um anyway but so it's a rock operetta that uh, explores the idea of what made Mr. Mustard such a mean old man Um, I was I've always been sort of intrigued by that character just because it's this short little snippet of a song, um, you know, that has but it has these great lyrical clues. And so, you know, there's for for a one minute long song, there's actually quite a lot of information about Mr. Mustard, this character. (laughs) And of course, like I know the story behind it, like it was from a news clipping about a guy. (laughs) The guy is actually really interesting, the real guy. Um, who was like in divorce proceedings with his wife because he was making her sit in the dark to save electricity and things like that (laughs) Um, which is like
2: that's a great detail
0: wow yeah dude what are you doing but (laughs) but I thought it would be pretty interesting to just kind of like write through what you know discover who this character could be in in kind of the spirit of Beatles writing process and the sorts of characters they wrote um to just like try to write a backstory, like why did, with that question is like the guiding premise. Why, what, how does a person end up sleeping in the park in a hole in the road, shouting obscenities to people who are walking by? And and so there were a lot of different ways that could go. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: If I had wanted
0: to write a more serious album, you know, there's a lot of, that could have gone in a very different direction in terms of, you know, (laughs) what people in that situation yes exactly yeah. or sleeping sleeping rough as they say in the UK yeah. and and I you know and I, that actually you know that kind of is part of the story because really in the story you know in a nutshell I don't want to give it away but I, I will kind of it's just you know it's a pretty simple story of someone who can't let go of the past mm. and gets so obsessed with something that ha- happened and he can't let go of it and, and it kind of dominates his life and he just becomes uh, someone that can't really function and so I wanted to explore that idea of like what does it mean to be you know you fall in love when you're young but part of that experience is going to be heartbreak and so ideally as you mature you you learn how to deal with that and you have your first love and then you move on from it right Mm -hmm. and so you know, this was the story of someone that could not let go of that. So I think there's some intersections with like mental Ooh. illness and homelessness and stuff. Um, but you know, the the main sort of like impetus, like why did I write a story about this, is because I I'm a pretty autobiographical songwriter. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm more I'm more John in that way mm-hmm. um, than I am than I am Paul. I think I like to mind my own life and be pretty honest. Um, But in this, for this record, I wanted to try to not write about myself at all and to write purely creatively. And so I thought this would be a great jumping off point. And then I Mm -hmm. thought it would be fun because I'm such a fan to try to like weave in Beatles references, both lyrically and musically without like, I didn't want to make like a, like a tribute album or something, but I just wanted to make something unique that kind of rift on all this stuff that's been so important to me in my life
1: uh-huh.
2: Well, it's a really creative way to do it yeah I think. A, a really a really good idea um to take oh, yeah. those characters and sort of create a backstory how did it feel as somebody who usually writes autobiographically how did it feel to write characters and like was that process different and did you put different things into the music? Yeah,
0: yeah. So it was challenging because, well, it was challenging because I'm, you know, was used to writing a certain mode where songs are born out of like experiences and feelings that I've had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it was also really liberating because I had done that mm. for a long time since I was a teenager you know i came of age in the mid late 90s um yeah. and so i think it was it's not a surprise that that that's the kind of writing i did because i feel like a lot of the music of that time was very diary oriented for like sure. i was, yeah. I, was yeah. I was pretty into like tori Amos and like
1: mm-hmm.
0: nirvana and smashing pumpkins and things like that which were all confessional yeah so yeah. so it was easy for me and and you know even later like as I transitioned as most of us did into like indie rock, those albums are all pretty like that too, like Modest mm-hmm. Mouse and The Shins and Bell and Sebastian. But I do think a lot of those artists too later on also evolved into writing about different stuff. So it was really liberating for me to just have this totally blank slate. You know, I'm thinking about this as I'm talking. The other thing about writing this record And one of the reasons I did it was because I found myself in a really good place in my life and Mm -hmm. I had gotten married and I was quite happy um, and just kind of at a plateau. And so I didn't have a lot to write about, about me
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) because things were, things were going pretty well. So there, you know, I wasn't like mining, mining for pain at the time. And so that freed me up to really like be like, oh well, I feel like I've gotten a lot off my chest over the last ten years, so now I'm gonna like write <laughs> this other thing. But then I'll say this too: uh, when you do that, like the intention is like, oh, I'm gonna write about not me or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care if it's poetry or fiction or whatever. Your stuff comes out. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so of course. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe even more, and it might take you a while to figure out what you're how saying that,
1: that,
0: <laughs> yeah so I listened to yeah. the song Ramon which is the title track which is the one with like the most Beatles references really it's like every yeah. pretty much yeah. every lyric is a reference yes and which and is so fun yeah thank you I'm glad that you that you yeah but the that. melody
2: to Ramon is fire show your cards show some... I think it's so beautiful
0: Well, I have I had pretty fond memories of um, discovering Ram for the first time um, Uh, because I didn't I had, you know, when I was maybe in my late teens early twenties started discovering more solo Beatles and was like, oh my God.
1: Yeah. There's basically
0: I mean Ram is the one I'm like, this is pretty much a Beatles album in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: a really exciting discovery. So that song is so special. But yeah, I think like I listen to that song now and it's like, oh, shoot. Am I am I Mr. Mustard? Uh oh. (laughs) But no, not really. I think I I think I'm, you know, not so far gone. But you know, I'm in there too, I think, now that I can listen back and think about it. But oh, I didn't absolutely. think so at the time. The intention was, this is something completely external to me. Yeah.
1: But that's but that's not how it ends up being.
0: No, every, it never does.
1: Yeah! Every, every bit of art is some form of self-expression. Well, and you know, I
0: think too, like, and this is something I learned later when I got into writing... Um, not music, just words, and studied that, started studying that and teaching that, and there's this idea of writing for discovery, so you start off a writing project without knowing what you're going to do, but you allow it to, you know, you allow the project to find its own way, and you can't really do that unless you're writing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not something you can think ahead, okay, I'm going to plan this out, like, you allow it to right that's how the record was was made like every song i wrote kind of led one thing led to another so i hadn't mapped out what happened to the characters at all but then i figured it out by the by the end
1: that's very cool yeah and when you write that way you don't get stuck if you're not planning everything out you don't get stuck doing so much planning that you never actually do anything you just get stuck in the planning (laughs)
0: yeah i mean i think i think it's easy to get stuck in that way for Um, sure sure. yeah i remember reading about jk rowling and i'm currently not a huge fan of hers uh, personally but right (laughs) right right right. (laughs) but um disclaimer there (laughs) this is not an endorsement of jk rowling but i remember (laughs) being really surprised at her process when she talked about writing the death oh spoiler alert the death of dumbledore (laughs) Um, (laughs) sorry everybody but, uh,
2: <laughs> guys. we'll put a warning on the, on the, on the episode. Okay. But she, uh, but she wrote about
0: being surprised at that and crying and being really mm. grieving and upset because she didn't really know mm. that was going to happen. And yeah. I think that I, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And also really, I mean, when I read that part of that book many years ago, but you know, it was like when it came out, I was crying too. Yeah. I think the world oh. was crying. <laughs>
1: I called out sick to work the next day.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't blame you. And I was home driving.
1: grieved. I was
0: actually I was listening to the audiobook driving from like oh, Oregon no. to 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 Humboldt where I was going to college. And so I was just driving through the redwoods sobbing. Oh, no. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Couldn't believe it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and my roommate at the time, we actually worked at the same place. It was a college summer. So I came out of my room at noon, red puffy eyes, expecting that she, had, she would be at work. And she had called out sick too. <laughs> You're all just like, light a candle. I, yes, we were. We were in rooms next to each other, crying our eyes out all night, unbeknownst oh to God. each other. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's the thing about art, it has a lot of power sometimes.
2: Yep. Absolutely. That's great. So does does this experience does it make you want to write in this style more, like in the future, or have you not thought that far ahead or
0: No, I am actually working on my second album right now. Um or my second album in this project. Yeah. yeah. So
1: awesome. So
0: the the short answer is yes. The long answer is maybe later.
1: Mm -hmm. Or, you know,
0: I guess it's a Mm two-part answer, not short. They're both pretty short answers, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) The hardest thing about writing something like this, a rock opera, uh, or any kind of linear, like this album tells a story, Mm -hmm. is promoting it. And promoting it as a person who's relatively unknown. And then, even harder, is playing shows in support of it to audiences that Mm -hmm. are not familiar with it. So... It's hard for me to play a song mm. like Captain Custard, Mr. Mustard, which is like the middle of the story <laughs> right. without explaining to the crowd the story mm. and that takes up mm-hmm. a lot of stage time and that, like kind of like you know, I'm not, I think when, when people are encountering a new artist like say opening a show for someone yeah, they they might not be interested in that so that's been a real challenge is promoting the record in that way. Um, Interesting. It, it, it kind of requires like a little more thought than you know just streaming a song and going oh i like that or not you know like that's and that's so like the mood of or just the way people are consuming music right now i think the album has legs and when people discover it and get into it it's great but it has been super hard to like yeah
2: to know. yeah i can understand why yeah
0: yeah so this I conceptual. So. it's
2: a it's a concept yeah.
0: yeah it's a it's a concept album so you know it's not a coincidence that Sgt Pepper's came out in the middle of the Beatles career not you know album number 1 they already <laughs> had this <laughs> they had this very loyal and worldwide insane sure, fan yeah. that would listen and scrutinize mm-hmm. everything they did exactly. so it was yeah. a great time to put something like that out for me and I'm not saying this is like was a bad idea I think I think it's great and I I'm so appreciative of kill rock stars um, yeah. especially slim slim moon who is the one that kind of discovered this and helped me get it ready for this you know they were like this is really interesting and good and i think it's great but i think the next <laughs> the, the next record for me i'm like it's funny because i actually had to resist doing another narrative and i had mm-hmm. to kind of like go no 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 just you need to put out a good collection of songs so, and, then <laughs> I, and as I was, I was like, programming, ask, yeah. I, yeah, as I was, as I've been like getting ready, I'm actually going to the studio to finish recording next week. And <laughs> the like, the labor that's gone into like choosing tracks and stuff, it's just been very much like, don't pick the ones that you think need to be there to like tell this sort of story. Mm. Just pick, just pick the best songs. Yeah. And like, maybe album three will be another, uh, Another concept thing. Because, you know, the other thing that I like to do is write poems. And so I have lots of ideas about dovetailing poetry and music together in some kind of way. But again, (laughs) I don't want to make another like hard to figure out or like takes a lot of effort. I just want to make good songs.
2: So, (laughs) yeah, that people will stream and
0: repeat. Yeah. And like, I think that's cool. I mean, because a lot of my favorite albums are that just like a great solid collection of music and you know like we were just saying like my intention is to do this collection of songs that's just whatever but there's always going to be some thread that goes through any album you know yeah there's just the songs are written near each other and live kind of near each other so
2: they're like siblings yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well that's i think you're i think the length of it actually works Really well, too, because you're not like, so like committing to a 22 episode season you know it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot easier to commit to six episodes or, or what have you so yeah but
0: but i'll just say you know if someone really wants to do a 22 episode season of my album as a television show <laughs> definitely a
1: great
2: idea
0: <laughs> a good idea i think it's a great could really squeeze a lot out of this um, okay. and probably like
2: it'll get it'll get renewed i'm sure i'm sure for no doubt two.
1: yeah <laughs> no doubt
2: caleb's oh, contact um, info will be in the show notes <laughs> yes i uh, i
0: I tweeted at uh, Vivek Tiwari who who wrote the fifth Beatle uh, graphic novel about Brian Epstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. and really? Yeah, and I was like, hey, check this out. Also, it would make a great Broadway show, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> he did the Jagged Little Pill musical. Really? Yeah, I think he's involved in that somehow. Um, <laughs> maybe That's not it? something
2: I had heard of.
0: <laughs> yes. I follow him on Twitter, so I'm like, he's tweeting about that a lot
2: wow um
0: so i was like hey guess what would make a great musical or true a great addition to the soundtrack for the film yes.
1: yes your call Vivek. yeah
0: just whichever <laughs> you prefer i'm available my people yeah, are let, waiting
1: just let me know yeah <laughs> <laughs> or anyone else to be honest any other yeah. netflix talent scouts anyone out there
0: get into it a little bit too um, I read the fifth Beatle after I think after maybe during when I was writing it the album and mm-hmm. I I, I kind of realized later especially I was doing research for this essay which I sent to guys
2: mm-hmm.
0: about about the Beatles and queer desire and stuff like that um, I feel like the story that I wrote has a lot of parallels to Brian Epstein's story the end of the day that was something i didn't intend at all um and so that's an interesting thing what an interesting and sad kind of tragic story
1: for me it's always hard with brian epstein's story and and i should like you're 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 coming from inside the house you know as a queer person so it's different but but whenever <sighs> he gets framed too much as oh that's tragic what a terrible life he led kind of thing right. where it's, it gets to be sort of like a you know torture porn queer edition yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> <laughs> well, th- yeah well that's but, totally but like I said with,
0: with his story yes. that's very true and yet and yet I think that you know it's but arguable he that was. The- yeah,
1: he well was the a reason lot of he, pain.
0: I don't think he he would have died so young maybe I mean maybe who knows who knows mm-hmm. I'm speculating
1: but right. it doesn't
0: seem to me that seems that that shortened his life you know what i mean and yeah and he did yes. he was a survivor of a lot of violence and a lot of yes like a lot of queer people so i but i'm totally with you when you're like um got to be cautious of the like queer tragedy because i too yeah. am a person who is like okay let's watch a movie about gay people who don't die of aids that would be nice sure yes, yeah exactly but <laughs> in the same breath you have to acknowledge especially for queer people that of lived course. at that time yes oof, the homophobia. a time
2: what a yes. time
1: to be alive you know like, yeah on their lives for yeah. sure
2: yeah we're not gonna Absolutely. stop talking about the holocaust because it's a bummer yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah right,
1: <laughs> yep. right. The, yeah. but
2: to daphne's point like the 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 thing that i that i find so frustrating with brian is his story has been told for so long by straight people <laughs> not that they you know not that a straight person can't tell his story but for me it's very very hard to parse out what um you know what falls into like the stereotypical tragic queer whatever and to kind of to parse out his like legitimate mental problems or you know he had substance abuse problems he had a like a weird family situation like it's hard to tell how much of how much of what he suffered from had to do with a homophobic society versus his own particular right like, yeah like either family his own situation. blend his
0: own blend of problems that we exactly. all have and, right, exactly like a- so you're basically saying like, how do we suss out what is a queer problem versus what is simply yes. a human problem?
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> like queer people suffer from all the same, you know,
0: their intersections, right? So they're, they don't have to be mutually exclusive or anything. I think my take, well, I, I think one, that's a really good question. I think also too, you know, one of the things that people run into when describing historical figures is the idea that. Um, you know, 50 years later, experience and language has changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about labeling someone as anything, diagnosing them with something, or calling someone queer or mm-hmm. gay, or this or that, or were they trans or all right, these things, right. it's like, well, it's hard to say because that language didn't exist just at the time. At the time. So so their own self-conception yes. is completely going to be different. It's kind of like the thing of people trying to, um, or people like pretty much have decided that Emily Dickinson, the poet was a queer person.
1: Yeah, right. And so
0: I don't have a problem with that personally. Um, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that. However, I I would caution us to ascribe any kind of label to someone who's been dead for that long because I don't think that she probably understood her, or I know she did not understand herself as that. She may have understood herself as other. And I would I would I would wager that that's probably true. <laughs> and I and and of course Brian Epstein was other, but you know, was Brian Epstein a queer person? Well, he did not think of himself as that, obviously. Um, he thought of himself perhaps as a gay man, but even that label was new. Mm. So it's so this is the, there's many problems with talking about there's or I should say there's many potential pitfalls. Yes, like, yeah. In, in describing all these things but at the same time I think too like I'm comfortable looking at his life like sociologically like looking at like all of the ways that that other identity weighed against his chances of at least dealing with substance abuse mental health issues etc so, Sure, it, sure because think... being in that other category is alienating
2: yes and if there's a large part of your life that's very important to you, you can't talk about. It's exactly.
0: It's essential. You can't. For fear, you can't...
1: yeah. For yeah. fear of social re- or legal reprisal.
0: Especially okay. especially someone under that much public scrutiny, too. Yeah.
2: Right. Who has not only himself, but his family and his the uh, uh, His Beatles, basically, yeah, to, yeah. to consider as well.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, so I think there was a lot of pressure on him in that way. And I do think... Yeah, I think, um, you know, I learned a lot more about him specifically recently writing this essay that I wrote for Talk House. And um, after watching the film, The Hours and the Minutes, is that what it's called? No, The Hours and the Times. And times, yeah. Oh, my God. First of all, that's a <laughs> film. That is a great film, in my opinion. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's one hour long, which that's a great length for a movie these days. I'm I like, agree with that. Let's have more hour long. Was
2: film. it only an hour long?
0: It's just about an hour, maybe a oh little over. Oh my god. It's so short. And the guy that plays John Lennon, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I finally know what like young John Lennon was like. Just like so <laughs> kind of like you're you're kind of like I'm like as a as a gay person who's been in love with lots of straight people in his life, mm-hmm. like I feel, I'm like, oh, I feel like I get this. And there's this moment, okay. This is like a deep <laughs> this is gonna get personal. There's this thing where you're 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 a gay person, you're in love with the straight guy, and sometimes there's this thing that happens where they I think they like the attention or maybe they're curious, whatever. And you find yourself in one of these awkward, usually long-term friendships that are very intense. Maybe like we could call them romantic mm-hmm. friendships, mm-hmm. and they tend to drag on because there's one person who's extremely in love with the other person. And there's one person who is like receptive of that in, in a certain way, but not completely, yeah. not all the way. Mm-hmm. And and it just goes on and on and on. But there's always a moment, or there has been for me, <laughs> where you just get kind of annoyed with the person. Say you're oh, on sure. a weekend trip. <laughs> Say you're on a weekend trip to Spain. And you're just like, oh my God, you're so annoying. Why am I like madly in love with you? And and this, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh my God. I would have been so annoyed at John Lennon the <laughs> whole time. Anyway,
1: that's hilarious. It's it's funny because uh, Phoebe and I were talking yesterday mm-hmm. about the hours and the times, and yes. she was she had mentioned that it was interesting to her hearing you on uh, the the Blotto Beatles talking about uh, identifying with you know quote unquote Brian in that yeah. movie because because. She and I, as bisexual people, yeah. would hear that we've heard that Barcelona story or seen it dramatized or whatever, and our yeah. I, and we identify more with John. With John yeah, I sort of <laughs> have a much different perspective on In that. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah we both okay. Both. I want to hear.
0: Yeah. I want to hear your perspective. <laughs> this maybe will solve a lot of my long-term quandaries about my life. <laughs>
1: I mean, I can't say that I identify with like the homophobia and violent (laughs) insecurity (laughs) aspects. Spain in
2: 1963.
1: Sure. Where I was not. (laughs) Of Of Baby by John Lennon. Yeah. Yeah, but just the idea of, you know, here's something that, you know, that I've been aware of about myself for a long time, but never felt, you know, for whatever reason, never felt comfortable exploring safe yeah yeah or even thinking about too hard maybe (laughs) Um, yes and now here's this person who knows all about it and is into me and maybe this will be a great opportunity to learn about myself yeah in a in a in a safe way as someone who's right. willing to show me the ropes and is
2: going to be right. nice me enough that he's going to be patient saying. to put yeah. up with right. all of my,
0: you know, bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that's an absolute part of that dynamic. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, I think the big question about you know that trip to Barcelona and all that stuff was has has revolved around, you know, did they do something or not? Which I think is beside <laughs> the point. I think I think it's really more just an interesting feature about their relationship but also who you know who was john lennon and what was his deal and i think you know it's that's that yoko uno (laughs) should be the byline of
1: every beatles bio yes who was john lennon Lennon? Lennon? (laughs) and what what was his deal deal?
0: (laughs) hey 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 name of your next
1: album yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's gonna be album three. We already oh, said oh, album okay. two is gonna oh, that's be a right, lot. Right.
1: We're wrapping that one, okay.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. John Lennon, who are what's your deal and who are your guys? Come on, come <laughs> But uh yeah, no, I like your insight about that. That's really interesting and
2: something, yeah. something-
0: good to consider
2: i mean that's coming from the perspective of like i so you know like and i think we we've talked about this on our show before but my basic position is that i think of john lennon as bisexual meaning i think that he at various times in his life i self-identified as bisexual and yes whether whether or not he would have always used that word right and i think it was something that he knew early
0: yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think, I mean, talking about how these things affect people's life chances, their personalities. I think that John Lennon, it makes, this makes sense. And it also makes sense why a lot of people connect with him in this certain way. Um, cause he, I think, you know, despite the fact that he's a white man and then becomes one of the most famous people on earth, it's <laughs> yeah. right, not, it's right, right. not the most famous person on earth. Um, he was another. He was a person who was in a different category, an othered category, and was at somewhat yeah. of like a remove from other people around him. So it gave him mm-hmm. some both distance to observe people. I think that's one of the gifts that that queer people have. Is like we're out of this thing, so we kind of have we have to sort of look at it from a different angle than like the mainstream and that's great it's really good for creativity it's really good for storytelling yeah but it's also very alienating it's very isolating yeah especially you know before the 21st century or the end of the 20th century when legally you know there's like there's real danger for people who come out or anything like that so Mm. you know it's easier for me I have a husband we are you know people know that we're married we live in a small town we could not have had the life that we have 20 years ago. Right. I don't, I really don't think we could have. I Maybe, I agree. maybe we could have lived in the Castro or obviously we yeah. could have, but right. we couldn't have settled down and bought a house in a small town and like live this kind of tranquil country bumpkin existence that we mostly live.
1: Oh, and, yeah.
0: And <laughs> I mean, except for when I'm like totally losing Sorry. my mind <laughs> driving all over the shows and like reading poems or whatever it is I think I need to do <laughs> but uh, other than that Gosh. we're just sitting here watching like Game of Thrones or yeah. well, no, not oh, Game of Thrones, he wouldn't like that um, Reservation Dogs, that's what we're watching right now oh, so yeah, like yeah. anyway, what I'm saying is kind of makes sense and there's that there's like that Yoko Ono interview from 2015 where she talks about how he was by and it was just something that he didn't have much, he didn't explore that much Mm-hmm. but I get I don't even think I think everyone gets hung up on sex like did he do this or that like I don't
1: care about well that, I agree yes.
2: and and that's one thing that is also I mean life for queer people and like you know how queer people live and and move around in society has changed so much obviously over the past 20 years but even like over the past 50 years how people even think of that kind of stuff um yeah is is a, a, a like a like a world of difference. Like nowadays, a lot of like Caleb, we're about the same age, right? So yeah, yeah. Like for for me, like when I hear kids talk nowadays, most of the time they they seem to identify before they even have sexual experience, which was not totally. how it was when I was young. I mean, when I was younger you know you did a lot of stuff before you picked elaine you know
1: right yeah
2: and and i knew a lot of people um a lot of people growing up who would be considered bisexual now who like who had sex with both sexes but ultimately picked one or the other but Mm -hmm. but by today's standards are bisexual do you know what i mean
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's another example of the way language and experience has changed. And here's the thing that I think is really interesting. Uh, A lot of queer people bristle at the inclusivity of the language. And by that, I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like, I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to call out this idea Mm -hmm. of of cisgender gay men getting annoyed at, I think, particularly bisexual women who there's this vibe of like oh really prove it and I hate it so much (laughs) it makes me me nauseous because I'm like the thing that's happening is actually really beautiful and what is happening is queerness is a big tent
2: yeah Yeah. there's a
0: lot more people it turns out who are queer in some way than we used to think but
1: (gasps) uh oh oh no Caleb no, come back, Caleb. I was gonna say though, I'm like ten years younger than you guys. Than us, I know. Uh huh. And so, so the the sort of weird how it was sort of seen as I was coming into more like my sexual maturity or whatever in my early twenties was like, well, men are usually either gay or straight. Most women are probably more bisexual or at least more fluid. Yes. that's how. Yes, it was that's of. right. I remember yeah, that Sarah. era. <laughs> yes, right. So there's been like sort of like little stepping stones. <laughs> yeah to, i absolutely remember that evolution right? of, of
2: thought for sure yeah, Of course, and female of course... species is by nature just the fluid <laughs> sexual you're like a, a river
1: <laughs> yeah and it's it's about emotions for you it's like oh i think it's about boobs and dicks it's definitely i don't know it. what happens hey there you are you're, you're back. back
0: i was like Where in she... the middle of this sweeping you, oratory I
1: know, you were on a roll, roll. <laughs> we've got to get
2: you back there what was i saying okay so we were talking about how um concepts of sexuality have changed over time and like um sexual experimentation is more you know whatever whatever
1: oh yeah they're my yeah they're big tent yes just kind of like that i
2: think i think to pick up on it is like the idea that like as the tent gets larger people start going all right there's too many people in this tent (laughs) <laughs> yes, and my
0: my point that I so eloquently waxed to <laughs> was um, was that it is what the thing that's happening is one, an amazing, beautiful cultural transformation, and two, it's exactly what we wanted to happen. Yes, you know people yep. people joke about the gay agenda. <laughs> There's right. no gay agenda, but you know what? There is a gay agenda. The gay agenda is I want I want my children or. The people coming up in my world to have an easier time and to be more themselves, hundred yes. percent,
2: absolutely, oh.
0: yes. You know, yes. And if we're I not don't...
2: fighting for that, what the fuck are we fighting for? Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: right? I don't, I don't know. So I think, I think that you know what, John Lennon, if you were still alive, I would welcome you to the bisexual big tent of queerness. You and Yoko, anytime.
1: Yes. Yes so that's
2: what we were saying is that like it used to be it's just that concept of like we'll prove it you know like right well, if john didn't have this particular sex you know <laughs> at this time then he yeah that doesn't count you know it's like nowadays we don't think like that we think of it, it no it's it's how you feel and how you identify yes. based on what's inside of you it's not there's no like and, litmus test and,
0: <laughs> and i think this is this is also unsettling to people guess what that can change over your lifetime yes
2: absolutely (laughs) and one really
0: bothers people yeah it really really
2: does yes and i have one doesn't negate the other i agree i i do too and i and i get why people are protective also of their experience
1: yes
0: and and because it's true like yeah being gay in the 90s was really hard yes i bet i bet i bet it wasn't as hard as being gay in the 80s i bet it wasn't hard as being gay in the 70s exactly
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah
1: well there's very much especially i think uh you know in the more when dealing with the more religious aspects of homophobia of like it's it was it be it was very important for a lot of people that i knew to try to get through to their families like if i could be any other way i would be oh that's true i cannot i I cannot do anything other than this and obviously i would if i could because that would be better you know that that's sort of what's implied in that attitude
0: I had the same thought and I wasn't even raised, raised in a religious household. I mean, well, actually mm-hmm. we were, yeah. but I was yeah. raised in the UCC, like the best, yeah. no, no offense to anyone else, but the best Christians on the planet, like super, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's gay, wearing tie-dye, summer camp is fun. Like, uh-huh. but, and I remember when Pete Buttigieg was running for president, yep. he said I was the just same thinking thing. About,
2: just thinking about <laughs> him.
0: Yes. Yes. A lot of people on the left are like, "Ah, here's evidence that he's such a corporate fraud, like evil." But my thought was like, "No, this is a this is a guy who came out late, and he's still figuring out that that yep. is a toxic attitude." Yes, <laughs> like, right. And, yep. and and a lot of, I mean, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around. It's like it's, it's like a it's like a math equation that you just don't get because you just don't have that neural pathway yet. But yeah. once you understand yeah. how it functions, you can do it without any problem at all. And so right. at some point, right. people go, oh, the light bulb clicks, like, oh, I actually wouldn't choose to be any other way than the way right. that I am. Right. <laughs> and it's. Yeah. Uh,
2: Why wouldn't we want awesome. to remove that from a gen- further generations yes. Of, of. Yes. People. Uh, yeah. Like, how much stronger of the people are we going to be if we remove that from people's upbringing
0: just so much so much less it's you know this always inter- all these things always intersect with a million But it's kind of like um raising kids these days it's like most people are a lot i don't know how about most people but a lot of people are gentler with their kids don't hit them for example you know don't yeah. don't yell at them as much as they used to and people are like oh you're spoiling these kids or something i'm like maybe we're just creating a different kind of kid who's not traumatized.
1: Yeah. Right, deeply. yes, yeah.
0: Let's try <laughs> and, and, and it, let's yes, try it. <laughs> and, and yes, that kid is gonna be way different than you and me because it, he's he or she or they are not gonna be, they're gonna be different. They're not that, gonna have yeah, all these exactly. Pieces.
2: That child <laughs> is raised in a completely different environment with uh, yeah. different needs, different expectations, different access to resources, different access to information. Children yeah. nowadays have access to like twice the information that we had growing up.
0: Can you imagine I mean, sometimes I'm like, what would the Beatles have been like if they were now like 18 years old, just coming up with all of the <laughs> you know, that's a good thought yes. of, That's that's the that's the third record right there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's hard to even it's hard to even imagine.
0: <clears throat> yeah. okay. or or you know maybe, maybe they don't happen because it's different the context isn't there like their people are tied to their context anyway sorry
2: well, well that's kind of to... always
1: how i think when i when i yeah. imagine that yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah have you so i assume you're planning if you haven't already when you're in the uk when you're in wales is to go to liverpool Sure,
0: a I, I, nerd I tur- have, tour. <laughs> uh, well, it'll be interesting because I've been on tour in the UK before, mm-hmm. and the last time was mm-hmm. in 2007. So, oh, wow. we went, we went to Liverpool. It was actually our first stop. Um, we mm-hmm. played a show, a show there with Modest Mouse. Nice. And our manager at the time, he put us up. He got us rooms at what is used to be Brian Epstein's family home, which was wow. he had become. Yeah, it had it was a B and B or something like that. I'm sure it still exists. And I just was I was kind of out of my mind on Adizan and my first ever transatlantic flight. So my <laughs> memories of Liverpool are kind of scattered. Um, but I I think that since that time it has become so very very Beatles tourism zone. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what that looks like and stuff. But yeah. I am I am going actually to see um and sebastian there when i'm um over there in november yeah so i will be checking stuff out for sure
2: nice and then didn't they just unveil brian's statue
0: yes i saw that in the in some news yes so i will definitely go pay homage and visit that and actually banger (laughs) banger is only like it's like yeah i'll take a selfie for sure (laughs) it's It's about an hour and a half on the train from Liverpool. So I'll probably go there, you know, all the time.
1: That's awesome. That was so cool.
2: Okay, let's talk about queering the Beatles.
0: Yes. I feel like we've already begun. We've already begun this conversation.
2: We have, we have. But um, (laughs) are
1: (laughs) are are we ever not having this conversation? (laughs) yeah right in some way it's
2: true yeah can you explain to our listeners what queering the beatles means
0: yes so queering the beatles i'll just say you know queering anything is the idea of looking at something through a lens of queerness and thinking about maybe established things or things that we think are sort of established, settled, decided. Looking at it through kind of a queer theory lens. So thinking about how, like one thing a lot of people are talking about in poetry is queer ecology. And that's kind of one of the things hmm. I'm studying. So thinking about how, how nature is queer and looking at it through a queer lens, rather than thinking about it through kind of the standard Western lens, which is like this Uh, Maybe it's a binary lens, maybe it's very religious uh, Mm -hmm. at its root, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. things like that. It's just kind of a way of shaking things up a bit and kind of reconsidering the the basis for for what we think about things. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, With concern with the Beatles, I guess it means considering their story through a queer lens Mm -hmm. and... For me, that that means there's this more of a focus on the queer aspects of the band, which are actually really central. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I mentioned this yes. in my essay, I think it's a point I could have actually that could be its own book. <laughs> and for my sure. my little like mini <laughs> thesis, my mini thesis is I don't think the the Beatles would exist if it wasn't for queer desire. I well, know. I agree
2: with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, then ah. we're in agreement.
2: All right. Let's get that book deal.
0: <laughs> I'll co- do you want to be my co-author? I hate doing work.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: Let's get back to it. Oh my god. We need to get
0: someone. We need someone who likes doing a bit of heavy lifting. You
1: guys, you guys have more work in your pinky fingers than I do.
0: You know,
2: I'm an idea man. I just like to have
1: <laughs>
2: We can hire researchers and editors
0: yeah absolutely oh,
2: Caleb, okay, no way, then. walk around talking into microphones <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, pine. and furthermore let me tell you what I
1: think about this this <laughs> sounds like John Lennon's ideal job <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think but I really do think now I came to this uh, through writing and thinking about it I really do think it's kind of true because I think I mean, this is my own opinion, man, so don't get too mad at me. Yeah. But I think that Brian Epstein was just so, so in love with John Lennon. I just really, really think he was so in love with John Lennon, and that drove mm-hmm. the whole thing. And and further, he was such a genius manager, but I think, really, he – I don't know. I, I, I guess well, I'm just rephrasing the same thing.
1: Part yeah. of yeah. A big part of his genius, to me, is getting out of the Beatles' way. I don't mean that yes. derogatorily. I mean that he saw them for what they were and enabled them to be themselves.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Which is what they needed. Which is what they absolutely them. needed, yeah. He Well, and he saw that... I think he must have seen that they were capable of evolving. Yes. And not to, yes. not to say that he didn't have a hand in how they were presented and things like that. And I am not... I am not, like prepared to like have a really solidly researched opinion on like what he did yeah, and that's do. Fine. although although
2: I do think a lot of their like look and stuff was not him is my understanding yeah yeah well here's here's my thing and this this is one of the things that sort of irritated me in terms of like how it's been framed in the past is or like traditionally and, and again I think this is this is. <clears throat> a good argument for why diversity is important you know it seems so obvious to me but it's it's always good to make the argument whenever you can because there are still people who don't understand but um when when everything is told from a particular like one vantage point that is exactly the same vantage point over and over and over again you don't get anything different one of the things that i've always found annoying is how people talk about brian like oh did you know that the beatles knew a gay person <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> and his and name they, was yes. his and they liked him yeah they, yes. only occasion- yes. they, they only occasionally made fun of him for being gay
0: Which, right
2: yeah, like, yeah. in ooh, reality ooh. there are queer people all throughout the beatles story that are close to them that are that are part of the story and the other thing is that to a certain extent it is true that Brian um you know he did put them in suits oh and tell God. them to stop smoking and so he did manage their image in a certain way that made them very marketable and part of that is just like gay sensibility and and um like gay style or or whatever
1: mm-hmm. but also
2: oh. I, do, I don't think of the beatles as just like putty or clay just clueless like walking up there like oh we're gay icons oh great you know like <laughs> i think i think that they're a little more involved in meaning, yes. in, meaning just like they're receptive to that yeah you know mm-hmm. I mean? like, they have to be receptive to that kind of a makeover is it like same with you know astrid Kirshner? she also was important to their you know and yes. her doing an image makeover on them a they have to be receptive to that well then and they have yes. to keep doing it exactly so <laughs> she takes them and puts them in uh, turtlenecks and gives them uh, fruity haircuts or whatever and they're like yeah we yeah. like this we're gonna keep doing this you know what i mean it's not just like a gimmick right they're yeah, like yeah, oh and, and I, I think, think
0: um I like
2: think we so like that the... being artsy we think of ourselves as artsy and you saw that in us and you brought it out
1: of us When it results in commentators saying that we're not straight enough, we're going to keep doing it. Right. Right, They lean into it. We're going to lean into it. Yeah.
0: I think Sasha Geffen, who wrote um, Glitter Up the Dark, How Pop Music Broke the Binary, I think is the full title. Mm -hmm. Um, They wrote wrote a little chapter about the Beatles as a queer, as kind of proto-glam rock. (laughs) <laughs> and I think a lot of I think a lot of that was right on in terms especially of giving them credit for like the Beatles themselves credit for for doing that and leaning into it and wanting to shake up that, you know, mass hyper masculine sort of like image of a rock star or rock yeah. and roller. I mean, I don't yeah. were there really rock stars? I guess it wasn't the same, but but they they decided at the end of the day to go along with that or maybe even to get into it and create some of that image themselves. And, you know, they make the point that it's, it's kind of an androgynous look, Mm -hmm. what they, Mm -hmm. what they are doing. And I, I agree with that. I think it's, I think since they were before David Bowie was androgynous and before Mick Jagger was androgynous, they were androgynous for sure in this very specific way. But I also think it's really interesting and I note this in my essay that, you know, before that they were basically dressing like leather daddies and a lot of that was influenced by their time in germany in hamburg which you know for me there's like these these intersections was like tom of finland style like leather gear. Mm -hmm. so really like honestly they looked a lot gayer before
2: yeah Uh, right exactly well there was and also there was a reason that they appealed to brian too it's like it's yeah it's not like he just picked up he saw four boys like oh they're gonna hate me you know (laughs) no he
0: i read i read somewhere in something you know some book that he he was pretty into like the liverpool dock worker you know kind of rugged thing and Mm -hmm. um that's totally part of his infatuation with them i think like uh especially john he's a rough and tumble rough around the edges kind of guy and that's appealing
2: but in a kind of a cosplay way
0: yeah, yes! cuz he's a big old <laughs> yeah. He's really he's really quite the softie at heart, I think.
2: Exactly. Yes. Which is he's it's even so, you know cuter. It may Exactly. He's a soft boy in leather clothing pretending to yes. be. That's like the cutest thing of all, right?
0: Yes. Who wait, what was my thing before like? What who is John Lennon and what's his deal? Well, we yeah. just answered yeah. that. He was a, he was a soft boy in leather. Leather pants <laughs> uh, and,
1: and when in hamburg a tiny mm-hmm. newsboys hat and flaming cowboy boots in black and pink not not black and white yeah those boots are really those over boots the top. they are
0: you know what this <laughs> makes me think i hope
1: got to see them in those boots
0: i hope so too i i hope so I, it makes me all this makes me think of some of the photos of them with little richard and how much they seem to adore little Richard and you know, mm-hmm. judy Fruity and all of that. Like little Richard is this
1: Paul flaming looks- queen, yes.
0: basically. And yes. it's just like they
1: I, Paul's I think, idol. You know Paul's yes. idol, oh, who he oh. looks
2: who he fashioned himself after. Yeah. In a lot Paul of looks like yeah. Yeah.
1: a kid on Christmas morning in those photos. It is so cute. it looks like he's about well, to I think that, combust and drift away. He's so happy. Yeah. <laughs> they have this propensity
0: as a group, for a really appreciating um, cultural phenomenons that were outside of, obviously, mm. their up- upbringing. And they mm-hmm. they yeah. seem to really be energized by otherness. And I think that right. if we're talking about queering the Beatles, if we look at them through this lens, I mean, as you can tell with our just brief conversation right now, like there's so many facets of that that bring the story into a fresh new light it's like a new way to see them that makes them even more real and more relatable to this moment in history and I mean it's exciting to me I I think one of the the reasons that I loved the Beatles so much when I was young teen like early teens late like 11 12 13 I was allowed to be obsessed with this boy band and no one no one gave Mm. me grief for for obsessing over the beatles
1: yeah i mean i can see that i
0: wasn't i wasn't walking around being like they're so cute but that's what i was thinking you know partly i mean also obviously the music was a big draw too um i would say the draw but but still like of course i thought that john lennon was cute and like of course like young gay little tiny baby gay me was like well, this is kind of, this is kind of fun. I can have posters of them up in my room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Acceptable.
0: I I just, I think their ability and propensity to be into otherness and to write these sorts of songs, it all translates into reaching out to other people, having that experience. But then at the same time, it's it's so genius because it's so universal and everyone has this connection to them, you know?
1: Yes, yes. And that's, that's one of the great and important things about queering the Beatles is that if we queer the Beatles, we queer everything.
0: Yes, absolutely. Like, I mean
1: and and you can tell that that's why people find it threatening. They're like, "Well, if the Beatles are yeah. queer, yeah. I thought then then the world is queer." It's nothing sacred. <laughs> exactly. It's like no. The, well, the I world, will say the world is queerer than you think.
2: Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. that's the point. Well, and I'll also- say that
0: like my record, which does this pretty dramatically, because I mean the cover of the record is two very Beatles looking lads yeah right. out. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. And um,
0: <laughs> I haven't gotten much. I haven't gotten much blowback from that um, yet. You know, the comments yeah. haven't been like in the comment sections of like YouTube or whatever. Haven't been. There really hasn't been a lot of that, and that might be the moment we're living in, and it might be like. Yeah. It hasn't yeah. it's not like it was on like Good Morning America or something. I'm sure right. that would um, Paint but, your you audience know, a it bit.
1: Um yeah.
2: it yeah. would be
0: a great thing to feature on Good Morning America just saying <laughs> for anyone listening. Hashtag I would love to wish I want to wish America a great morning <laughs> and a great day. top of the gay morning to you, America. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it hasn't been it hasn't been like that. I was actually anticipating. Um, some haters coming out of the woodwork because it's such a cherished cultural institution globally that I can see how it might rub some people the wrong way Uh, but so far so good good
2: well even when we started our podcast I mean first of all we were only the second women to have a Beatles podcast that's changed already and there were only like five podcasts when we started too so there's a Jillian podcast now but um, we, as far as I know, we were the only people to talk about this, to talk about queer stuff on a Beatles podcast. Yeah. And yeah. it was kind of, it. you know, it, it was kind of shocking at first. Like people yeah. were kind of really taken aback, but, you know, people have gotten used to it over the past couple of years. Like there's less resistance yeah. to it now.
0: Absolutely. Like, I think the idea of queering things is, is relatively new. Um, Although Mm -hmm. it is very much, it's in the mainstream pretty firmly, but like, you know, it's just, it's, it can be like, I don't want to make anyone feel alienated or like feel defensive about a thing that Mm -hmm. they love. But, you know, I think your point about like female Beatles podcasts, the fan, these fandoms like Beatles fandom, for example, is, has been male dominated, straight white male dominated for so long. And That's not because only straight white men like the Beatles. That's right. A lot of other people do. And so queering things, um, you know, to give you another answer to what that is, is about making space for other people to enjoy and interpret this, the world around them, whether it's the Beatles, whether it's nature, whether it's whatever, like it's us um, kind of Making stories for ourselves, or or re- reinterpreting things so that we can see how we fit into it,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: we do, we always have, but it's been very systematically repressed. Like we've been, we've been yeah. disconnected from our own history. I mean, there. I don't. You don't. Queer people aren't taught in history books in the same way that you know straight people are, because straightness is yeah. the default still. The, the de facto. default. So. Yeah. We we have a vested interest in understanding that we are part of the, like, long thread of history, of culture. Yes. And, and especially, you know, it's so crazy because especially anything cultural, <laughs> like, anything cultural that's any good is probably queer. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Queer people, Amen. Yeah. Queer well, people, women, we make the world go around,
1: you absolutely. know, in terms
0: of absolutely. like art music writing all of it. And so it's interesting that we've been so for so long excluded and I think it's really cool to center something like the Beatles around that rather than how it has been.
2: Absolutely. And and if we're on you know the crest of a wave or or whatever of acceptance or any sort of window where people are open to that now's the time to go in and take advantage of that and take a look at histories that are going to possibly shut again
0: yes it's a it's important to continue to push through and to um kind of like take the foothold that has been created and make it more firmly there i think there's a lot of people who get afraid of blowback for good reason because that happens but i think right now in this moment especially because there is a lot of backlash um Particularly for yeah. trans people, yes, at the especially moment in the
2: yeah. UK too. Yep. Oh my God!
0: Yes, absolutely, and I think it's just—it is definitely important that we don't cower away from that. We have to go right into it and firmly establish that this isn't a trend. This is a um, mass yeah. awake awakening and change of consciousness mm-hmm. to include to include these categories in as the default. Like yes, this is. Yes. Yes. Like, i'm yeah. not like brian epstein's not like uh, this guy that happened to be gay who sort of was around the beatles like he was a central part of the beatles yes. story so yeah. that that's one way to look at that and therefore the beatles story is essentially queer
1: yes
2: well and you know like uh, like Daphne and i were talking about john and paul were like regularly going to gay clubs in liverpool with brian that makes i love that that part of the part of them as a band you know, I yes. don't know if we can point to exactly how it affected their uh, music or their, you know, their act, their performance. But it certainly means that, like, they are familiar with and to an extent comfortable with a gay audience and soaking in gay culture. Yeah. And, and it's I, weird that I, I we mean, don't talk about it. Like, why, why right. do we talk about it? It's not a, yeah, it's not, that's, like, a...
0: It's not a footnote.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, and it's not why should it be taboo? There's nothing wrong with it.
0: No, and I think well, I think the thing is, it doesn't need to be taboo now. And I think, of course, it was taboo to talk yes. about that yes. as At as one the time. Beatles are coming up, yes. and and throughout most of Beatles history, that's still like a topic that could hurt. <laughs> Let's just say it like that could hurt record sales. That could hurt their image.
1: Of course, but yeah,
0: but I think I think now is the time that we can uncover all of that and show it for what it is and celebrate it and go like look at this group of people that were so ahead of their time in another way like i think that's one of the things people say about the beatles a lot is like look at how ahead of their time they were they yeah. created sergeant Pepper's only the arts club band they revolutionized music in so many ways but look at how forward thinking they were culturally to be going to gay clubs in liverpool in 1962 or whatever i mean exactly. that's pretty wild Right. I, don't, I actually didn't know. I didn't know that little detail. I think that's so fun to think about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually made a little um, list because uh, Talia, our other host, <laughs> Talia and I were making like a little uh, collage for Pride Month. I think it was like last year's, and we didn't end up finishing it, so we we're just going to post it on like Twitter or something. Um, so <laughs> we made this little collage of all the queer people in the Beatles circle that we could find. And We got a pretty decent list. Wow. Of people. Yeah, said that
0: to me. I I really want to see that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could just go through it real quick too, if you want. To, if you're oh interested. yeah, tell me. Okay, well, besides uh uh Sir John Lennon, you know who who <laughs> we think deserves to be on the queer collage. Um, so there's, yes. There's Roy Snelles, who, as I'm sure you know, is the inspiration for Polythene Pam. <laughs> He's the I actually, um, I
0: actually don't know that this
2: is not something i know oh that's that's great so uh Roy ellis was a bisexual actually a beat poet who um met the beatles in liverpool in the early 60s and they did like some musical backing for him like this is spoken word or whatever <laughs> um but he wrote all these uh, gay poems, this is where this is where Paul learned about gay sex from Royston Ellis. Wow! Yes, it's in many years from now. And then when he he met him years later, he like quoted part of it to him. He was like, "Oh yeah, ease me in slowly, or whatever. Break me in gently. Break me in gently. That's what it is. <laughs>
0: You've got to be gentle. You've got to like, be gentle.
2: Exactly. Like take it easy back there." That was, like, not in the medical journal that he was looking at when he was a child. He's like, oh,
1: shit, I didn't know that's how that works." So
2: there's him.
1: Well, isn't he wow. also the one who gave the Beatles the statistic that one in four <laughs> that's right. men was gay? Which, <laughs> that's right. I mean, I don't know where that statistic came from, but apparently that stressed Paul out a little bit. <laughs> that would be something for them to think, of,
0: to think about. Well, you but, know, Paul was they're... probably seeking back to all those circle jerks that they used to have and was like wait a minute
1: <laughs> wait a second well you know what is so, but
2: what i think is so cute is he went oh shit it's me isn't it that's what he said <laughs> oh, that's so cute. right yeah. it's like Aww. paul really you don't you don't think john yeah. might be a contender
1: there yeah because he's like hmm four one and four four beats <laughs> he's like god damn it <laughs> one of me. us <laughs> <laughs> he's so weird okay all right
2: there's victor spinetti um star oh, of a hard him. day's night and help so he he was you know the actor from from both of those movies but Ooh. he he is a also bisexual actor who was in a long-term relationship with a man throughout the 60s and was a friend of john's and he adapted john's book into a play in 1968 oh and he did the circle jerk play i think is he one who did that Maybe. i think so yeah There's oh 20- yeah, yeah 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 i know about that yeah Tony King, who is um, 1970s confidant slash playdate organizer of <laughs> Elton John and, and John Lennon, right? He's the one who got them together. Um, and he knew the Beatles in the
1: 60s as well. Oh, He's got a book coming out. <gasps> Does he really? Or there's a biography of him coming out or something. Oh, which that's is good Because awesome. we, somebody interview him. Yeah,
2: we need to talk to Tony. Tony knows yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jürgen Volmer, uh, the um, the German student who cut John and Paul's hair in Paris. Um, wow. I th- I think I'm extrapolating that because he had a crush on George, so I'm assuming he's queer at least. Yeah. 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 I don't I don't know how I how he identifies, but um, Peter Brown, obviously he's a late late era Apple employee right. Yep. right um robert frazier paul's mentor and art bestie art dealer you know mm-hmm. he also he has a further connection to the beatles and that he organized john and yoko's shows and organized was one dealer. of their show and was their heroin dealer in
1: 1968 yeah. um oh bad boy
2: yeah yeah, yeah. And did like what did like DMT with Paul or something? Yes, yeah. And they they saw God they together. saw God together. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wow. Yep. Bob Wooler, obviously we know about him. He's a Cavern compare. He's uh, but essential. Uh, one of the essential movers in the early Beatles story from the Cavern days, and Billy Preston, Billy Preston, who's often floated as fifth Beatle, right? Nice. True. Was, was I didn't the know. Ad- I didn't.
0: I didn't know he was gay.
2: I only knew that a few years ago too. I was like, "Did everybody know that?" And my well, this was is like, the whole yeah. thing.
0: It's like we that should be like the fact that we know, but we don't because it's just kind of like, "Oh, don't say that, maybe or something." But mm-hmm. wow, that's so cool, Dad. I didn't, You're actually now. I'm like, oh, the Beatles were gayer than I thought.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's exact, That's my point. Is that like again so it's not it's not like oh the you know the the gay manager came and did gay stuff to them and aren't they tolerant it's like no they're not tolerant they're like they love
1: or gay naive people. Aren't they naive? <laughs> yes, exactly. like, wish
0: they wish that they were gay or themselves they're like oh this these are the best people
1: exactly, right. like,
0: they get it they get it i love that i love that about them
1: and wow. then the, the other um
2: i wanted to use this example because when i read your article and when i heard you on blotto beatles talking about queering history and the idea of queering the beatles i immediately thought of um the new series that's on amazon a league of their own
0: right which i have not seen yet
2: so um that's a jacobson Abby Jacobson, yeah, started this, um, she created a series based on the Penny Marshall movie, A League of Their Own, from the 90s. Yes, loved and that
1: movie.
2: Loved it too, yes. And it's been like a lesbian touchstone for, you know, since it came out. It right. was like, it was a lesbian movie, even though there are no lesbians in it, you know. um, No lesbians in A League of Their Own in the movie. Yeah, yeah. In Penny's movie. Huh. Huh. There's there's not there's technically nothing gay in that movie. Yet yeah, it's it's a it's a gay movie, right? So like yeah. uh yeah. lesbians have yes, have embraced it and identified with it for decades.
1: Yeah.
2: So wow. um so Abby comes along, she makes this uh series same same period, same team. It's still the Rockford Peaches. It's still this, you know, based on the same women who are real women from the 1940s. And she's like, you know, when it came on, you're obviously thinking, okay, well, it's gonna be gay now because it's 2022, right? There's no way they're remaking right. it the link of their own and it's gonna right. be straight people. And it's super, super gay. Like everybody is gay in this. <laughs> but I saw an interview. <laughs> With Abby Jacobson, and she's like, well, actually, it turns she's like, I've I've been working on this project for a while. I did a ton of research on hidden, and as it turns out, a lot of these women were gay.
1: Yeah, oh, <laughs> Unsurprisingly,
2: gee, you would have thought. exactly.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, you know what that what that makes me think about is um something we've touched on a bit is the this phenomenon. So gay people, queer people have this among many wonderful characteristics. They we have this ability to connect the dots where yes. they aren't explicitly yeah. connected. And people yes. call that Gator or whatever. But that's the thing. It's like it's it's no surprise to me that the true story of that uh team has all of this, all of these lesbians, all of this queerness in it, and even the like whitewashed 90s version. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. women were able
0: to connect to it they felt the vibe of it i mean it's exactly. just in there you can't you can't separate it out you know even yeah. if you try yeah. and exactly. maybe that's maybe maybe that's you know young queer baby me uh maybe that's part of my connection with the Beatles is that there's queerness just all through and through it shot through with that and even yep. though that was never pre- presented as such you know i think i mentioned this Uh, in my essay about how Brian Epstein was, it was an unfortunate fact that he was gay, you know, during the Mm, anthology years. Um, And despite that, I still must have sensed this queerness. And I think that's, I just think that's so cool, actually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But but how important is it? So like um, Abby had an interview with, she felt like one of the women original, one of the original baseball players from the forties is still alive. She's 95 years old. And wow. Abby Jacobson found her and, and talked to her and interviewed her, you know, during the making of this project. And this 95 year old woman, woman, basically came out to Abby because oh she had never used that word before. She'd never used the word. She, you know, she didn't like the word queer because that that's yes. a, you know a slur to uh, elderly right. people. But um,
0: yes, she she like came out to her. Yes. That's so moving and so crazy. Right? I mean, and that, but that also speaks to the power of, and the importance, I should say, of of this idea of queering things. Like I was mm. saying before, it is, yes. a re, it is queer people discovering, rediscovering, understanding now that they have a place in this world.
1: Yes. And if straight no. people can't recognize that that's more important than the quote unquote risk of yes. reading queerness where, where, where there isn't any, then screw them well and
0: there's these there's these very systematic efforts right now to you know cleanse libraries of queer reading Uh, materials and shut them uh, down and i'm just like i'm watching this and i'm outraged just like everyone else but part of me is also like good flippin luck like (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm sorry. Our seeds have already spread throughout the garden, and we're gonna keep sprouting up all over the place. And you cannot yes. stop that. Yeah. Like,
2: and I'm, I'm sorry. sorry if... you, you're gonna rid art of queerness. Yeah, okay. Right. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm really looking forward to watching an endless stream of uh, straight Hallmark movies set in Montana. <laughs> yes. That's gonna be really. We're all gonna really be moved by that.
1: Yeah. It's gonna be real,
2: real lucrative too. Or one straight man's journey with God. navigating the terrible world of being a white man. Yeah.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's a show about that I'm not going to talk about it but
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so yeah, so it takes like a queer woman like Abby Jacobson to to reimagine a story that's already been told just through yes. a different lens and it brings out, you know, real things, like things that are a real part of our history that we just weren't in a position to be able to show people Yes. before
0: absolutely and that's the whole i mean i don't know if that's the whole point but that's a very big point of it
2: absolutely
1: can i ask you a quick yeah. question caleb uh absolutely the so- your song jerome which i'm obsessed with it's my favorite on. Mm-hmm. the um the music oh, video you has little yes. ghosties in sheets. Yes. Was that inspired yes. at all by the paintings by Olivia Steen? <gasps> um, have you seen those? I,
0: I don't know if I have, and I will say that the concept of that video was not mine. I oh, okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I, have, I have two really good friends who live in San Luis Obispo who are filmmakers, and I hired, I hired them to make the two, uh, the videos for Ramon and Jerome, Oh, nice. as kind of a to, to kind of tell like an arc of the story in some abstract way sure. um initially initially I was like let's make the whole album into like a musical and like we had all these crazy ideas we would meet in my backyard and like drink and talk about all the things that we could do <laughs> but, then, but then we got the budget for the video <laughs> like, okay, we gotta, <laughs> gotta pair this down maybe we yeah. can make two videos and even then we were like whoa how are we gonna make two videos for that but So that was their idea, Um, but I'm sure that Jason and Katie, uh, Jason Kaiser and Katie Neville, they probably have seen those, is my guess. Okay. They're very, they're very with it, but I don't know, you have to, (laughs) uh, they're hip, they're hip and happening. (laughs) We're releasing a two song single that we've turned, we're calling it an EP, Um, it's two (laughs) <laughs> it's two solo Beatles covers. It is um, the A side is Paul McCartney Waterfalls, nice. um, and and the B side is John Lennon watching the wheels. And Cute. so awesome. The cover of the EP is a drawing of Paul from the cover of Paul McCartney Two, and the and then on the other side of Paul kissing him is John Lennon from Double Fantasy,
1: Aww. and. We've Love called it.
0: the EP... We've called it Double Mant... <laughs> it's called Double Mantasy. <laughs> and so that's dropping on um, September 20th. And oh I can send God. you...
1: You'll I definitely get some you... YouTube comments on that one.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I think we're... Uh, I think we're... Well, okay, so originally Ramon, the album title was Double Mantasy, But I decided... I decided to call it Ramon because I didn't want one. I thought it was distracting from the story because yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: it just wasn't, but <laughs> and I also did. I felt a little queasy at first about like any appearance of like poking fun at double fantasy. Cause it's John mm-hmm. Lennon's final mm-hmm. album. And sure. I don't, I don't want to minimize like John and Yoko in any way. Yeah, so, right, but yeah. then you know, yeah. the, the whole concept behind the EP is that I wanted to put those two songs in conversation with each other because like, I read that John Lennon was kind of jealous of some of the songs from McCartney too. And, and it partially inspired him to get back to work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, man, these songs must have things to say to each other. And I, I love how it came out. It's like a cool A side, B side kind of vibe. And yeah. So I thought double Manacy in this case is kind of fun because it's like, yeah, basically if I, if I had the time and budget, wouldn't it be fun to make you know how people are like what what would the beatles album be if they hadn't broken up and they like to make right. tracklist.
1: Uh-huh. well it'd
0: be it'd be super fun to make a covers record like start to finish of like the ultimate final beatles album you know like so but this is my little mini version of that so i thought it was fun a- i feel like the three of us could talk about this for a long long time and that's really cool yeah. um
2: some sometimes pro- it's good to have boundaries to keep us in yeah. check. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: true yes. and today the boundary is sound check and that's very yeah. appropriate i think thanks so much for having me on i really appreciate uh, it and i can't so
2: wait cool.
0: to hear it and share it
2: thank you so much as always for listening to another kind of mind if you enjoyed this episode
1: Please go ahead over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review.
2: Yeah, it would be especially appreciated now that we're going to be bombarded with homophobes who are really upset about the gay agenda Mm. and are going to come attack us. So if you feel like that's not cool, maybe go over and leave us a good review. That would be really helpful and much appreciated. Very much appreciated. Thank you so much for your support. Support queer people, support women. Uh, go Beatles. (laughs) Beetle nerd pride. Yeah, exactly. Beetle nerd solidarity. (laughs) Support your fellow nerds. And we'll see you next time.